Straight Ahead with David Lewis on Solar. So, for our next interview in our series of Modern Heroes of British Jazz, it's Roy Willocks who's joined me in the studio tonight here at Solar Radio. Roy, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you along. And a man that's got a fascinating history. Pretty much anything that's happened in British Jazz, I would say, in the last 40, 50 mm. years, you've probably been a part of. Mm. And even from the little I know of you, you've been involved not only in big bands and jazz, but also films, television series, commercials, I mean, you've pretty much seen everything through music. So, have you always been a musician? Yes, I've never done anything else. So it's a musical family? Yes, my mother played the piano, my father was Scottish and emigrated before the First World War to Canada, where a lot of Scots fellows went because there wasn't much work in Scotland. They went to Canada and Mm -hmm. were given a plot of land and whatever near Winnipeg freezing cold in the winter and stinking hot in the summer apparently winnipeg comes the first world war all the scots joined up went over and went to the sun and he was wounded but got out he said he was in a crater and he said a belgian kid who was 18 looked after him and he got out they got out and then he went to Eastbourne and where he was uh, put together again, the bits put together, met my mum, talked her into marrying him and they went back to Canada. My two brothers, George and Bruce, my brother George was a very good musician, very natural musician. My brother Bruce played the bass and a bit of piano. Uh, so were you born in Canada or were you born in England? No, no, I was born in England. I was born in Running Golden City. The other two boys were, were born in log cabin situation. Mm-hmm. My mum used to go to work with a, a t- two horses on a sleigh in the winter. My two brothers would be wrapped up in swaddling clothes, literally. And uh, my mum was in demand because she was a good Thumping player, good player. And when they got fed up with that, or my mother got fed up with it, they came to Wellington City, which was a burgeoning new town. My father worked at the Shredderweed factory. My mum played for dancing classes for little kids. Mm-hmm. My dad, by this time, was learning the alto and it never became a great Who player. first gave you the alto then, your dad or? My father played, played the alto. And uh, in the in the melody maker, have you ever heard of a saxophone player called Harry Hayes? I have indeed. I have indeed. Wonderful player. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he used to play in the melody maker every week. Uh, he he wrote he, he wrote out Harry Hayes personalised hot choruses, five shillings five five shillings each or four for a guinea or something. And my dad wrote up and said, my son is thirteen and we'd like to have a sample lesson or whatever. And we went up to town to... Harry was in London, was he? Yeah. And Harry wrote canvassing a bit, 
saying I'd like to give your son a, a sample lesson and just show him the bits of whatever, whatever. I remember us going up there, Harry was in his uniform, whatever, and he played and he played and showed me whatever. And he said, oh, turn away, son. There was always son with her. He said, I'm just playing your middle C on the alto, and then I'm going to play some other notes. And it was an ear, ear test. And I got them all. How long had you been playing at oh, that time? Well, I was 13, so I don't know, a year. Or so, yeah, very new to I it. I played then. the piano before that. My mum played the piano. I had piano lessons and I didn't stick to it very well. I was lazy. Did you, so the, the minute you picked up a sax, did you just feel that was more you? Uh, did... Probably, yes, probably. But I got all the intervals and he said, I think we have a find.
that was pretty much that. And Harry was very good to me. Harry pushed me everywhere. He did. So he introduced you to people, and is well, that the way it works? If, if there, were, there was a, an audition going with Henry Hall, who was looking for a young player, and I was nearly quite, not quite 16, when I went and had an audition with uh, Henry Hall, up in Liverpool, I know. And it was very low, I had a lonely existence because I was on my own. And when I got to nearly 18, of course, I was into the services like everybody else was. And uh, I decided to go on the, into the Air Force and uh, in a band, you know, whatever. And when the band had a dance band in the weekends, we used to go out and earn a few more bulb. Mm -hmm. It was cushy. <laughs> uh, this was 1947 I went in. Yeah, I went in in 47, I came out in 49. And I started, I went to Jay Lyons, and they used to have bands. Is that the tea shop? Yes. Yeah. In the tea shops and the dancing places too. Uh, corner houses. The one at the bottom of Shaftesbury Avenue was there, was Lyons' biggest. I've heard uh, that was quite a, a spot, wasn't it? Biggest corner house. So that'd be your we band? Sort of, hmm? That'd be your band? That you, it was oh, your no, gig no, and you? No, I, I was just an out saxophone player who played with whoever was currently the house band currently the time. around, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was that. Was there. And then Reg Owen was leaving. He was the second alto and arranger. Second alto clarinet, very good. Was leaving Ted, Ted Heath. So that was your first introduction to the Ted Heath yeah, band, was it? Was was because Reg Owen, and I remember I went, I went to uh, Hackney Empire where the band were playing, and, I, and I, it was easy, you know, it wasn't difficult. The bits I had to play were not difficult. And uh, I don't think they wanted anybody, I don't think Les Gilbert was keen on having anybody who was too good, actually. What, too much for a competition? Well, I don't know, <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being silly. And I've got, I got the job. <laughs>
So the job was going with Ted and I, I got it. I don't know if he was hawking it around very much. Was Ted there at the audition? Did, was it Ted that actually employed you? Did he hear you play? Did he audition you? No. He wasn't there? No, I just played along with the saxes and that was kind of a, all right. So do you remember when you actually first met Ted? I, the first meeting really was Ted phoned up and said, all right, mate, you got the job. You're going to earn between £24 a week and 20 whatever. I thought, bloody because oh, in in the uh, in in the lions places it was twelve quid a week. Oh, so it was a good salary jump. It was good so, money then. Did relatively, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that, except that, with Ted's band, he didn't stand for anybody going around knocking on doors for for fifteen bob gigs. Hotel was booked. You were in the hotel. You paid what the hotel was what it cost. Oh, so right, out of that money, you pay for your food oh, and the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. you paid uh, and a drink. After five, I left at five years because I thought I'm time to move on. Mm-hmm. I've got to find out whether I can play mm-hmm. because of playing second alto, bits of jazz. Did you tour overseas or was it just in the UK? No, I missed it when they went to the States. That's what I was wondering. No. That was the whole musicians' union thing, wasn't it? And no, then... oh, that was later again. That was later again. No, with Ted's band, um, uh, they went over on the QE tour. So, it was in 1950, 56. No, I didn't go. I went with Geraldo, and uh, we were got what they called the retainer system. Work or not. So how does that work out for you then? Well, it was 25 quid a week, which was, I was getting more than that with Ted, but you were also spending a bit back and because um, the band was very busy. Mm-hmm. So in the five years you were with Heath, how many nights a week would you be gigging? Was the band always constantly booked? Oh, or? We'd, we'd, we'd probably do four or five Right, sometimes more than that. And travelling up and down the country on train? Oh, and yes, in the bus, uh, in the bus. Sometimes in our own cars, uh, a month in Blackpool, most of the bands. In the summer season? Yes, in the summer. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So after a while I thought, you know, it's time I moved on.
television was starting, burgeoning, and uh, I think I think ITV started in '57. So here we are. We're now into doing ATV television. Jack Parnell had started. The Saxes were five highly qualified players. Who was the lineup? Uh, Bob Burns was the lead alto, Canadian, and uh, another one was on terrific clarinet. They were, you know, blimey. Could they, all of them, mm. could play. Mm. And we were pretty green. I was green. But Jack was green. Jack wasn't really up to much of conducting and stuff. He really wasn't. But he learnt fast, of course. But when the depths started coming in, Bob Burns standing sitting next to me. Is that when you start to really learn your trade then? I'm not going to last very long. So at that time, the BBC at that time had two regular orchestras, Variety Orchestra and the Review Orchestra, both twin orchestras, all playing the radio shows. I, I remember I got £21 a week for, I forget how many shows, 17 broadcasts or something, stuff early in the morning. At that time, the BBC were canvassing for an extra player in each orchestra. Somebody who could play decent alto, decent clarinet, possibly decent flute, whatever. And there was an audition and I had to sort of, you know, play the flute. I could play the alto, I could play the clarinet, I could, I could sight read all of their gear, I could. And uh, so I got the job in the review orchestra.
So this was the beginning of you getting into the TV side of your Oh, career. that was that was just radio. Just radio. Just radio. But you were busy. The BBC got their money's worth from you. Oh yeah, but but I got a lot of features from Johnny Pearson, terrific, and he used to feed me with lots of very good alto solos because that's what the band wanted. They wanted somebody, not the straight clarinet. They wanted somebody who could play decent alto. Mm-hmm. You've never played tenor professionally. Tenor? Yeah, do you ever play? Uh, only a bit since... I've got one in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. Only, a, only a bit since. Um, a feature on the broadcast. These things are like the seven in the morning shows. I remember we had a series, and so did the variety band, and there was a lot of fighting. As like, it was like, getting to work. Like they had Educating Archie, <laughs> and, and we had... Uh, Take it from here. We had that. They were all copping shows. Right? So it might be a silly question, but forgive me for asking. Something like Tony Hancock, would you have played music on the Hancock's half hours yeah, more, and things like more that? Than, yeah, more than likely. I, you know, there was so much. There was so much I can't remember. <laughs> Stacks of it. Mm. But uh, the so the goo, 20, the goo, £21 pound a week was, was £30 pound a week immediately because of this stuff, Commonwealth of Song, repeats, repeats all that, take it from here, repeats, sales and whatever. But at that time, the session business was burgeoning and I couldn't stay. I had to, and Harry Benowitz was, Harry was right. Don't go yet. I've got, I'm getting TV, uh, BBC TV, and going. I said, "Well, look, I've got there's a lot going on, and I'm sorry." <laughs> so your name had obviously got known by this stage. Well, I suppose you they got to know you could play a bit. I suppose yes, yeah. And then these sessions that you're talking about, the session work was presumably in television and film, was it? It in, was it, that you see. There was a stack of television. Not only there, Anglia TV, TV South, Glasgow TV, all over. So uh, I, that's why I couldn't, I thought, I can't afford to stay in the review anymore. It, it was good and I enjoyed it and we had a drink and whatever. So the um, session work, you said, that was really beginning to take off. Immediately, I was out doing television, doing jingles, jingles, 7.30 in the morning, because that's when they could get the studio and they could get the guys. Right. And we'd go in for going down for 7.30 to 8.30, into the cars, whoosh, everybody going into different places, because it was crazy.
beauty of it is now, all the sessions we I did the first series of Doctor Who. You played on that? I did the first series of Doctor Who mm -hmm. analog. And so I could show you a little bit of paper from the B from the BBC. Sometimes not a lot of money, sometimes alright. So you've got ITV. Oh, since, uh, last of summer wine I, I did for years. So the Benny Hill show, Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, Butterflies. That was with Wendy Craig, wasn't it? Of course. I don't know. Last what of are the they? summer I can't wine. See. Yeah. So it's all here. So the top one was um, Pop Gold, Adamant, and Goody Two Shoes. Oh, Cannon and Ball. So on the Cannon and Ball show, yeah. the Benny Hill show, yeah. and the Benny Hill show in the United States, the Rise and Fall of Reginald Perrin, Butterflies, Last of the Summer Wine, and Doctor Who. It's not King's Ransom, but the point is, we were there doing it, and it's still doing it, you know. And for the younger guys, it's not there. Mm. So repeat fees were good for you then, they were kind. If you got on something like Doctor Who and made that recording every time that's repeated? There could be a, a smaller amount. Sometimes they were called what's called buyouts. They give you more money, but you bought out all the residuals. So it's just a one-off fee? Yes, but uh, I mean, that, <laughs> that sort of stuff is useful.
Was that quite a bold move to go out on your own at that point and to be a freelancer? Not at that stage. The bold move was leaving Ted and finishing up that I was going to live on £4.15 shillings a week with the family and a child. And I went down, I, I went down to the local estate agents and whatever. And uh, what have you got, you know, for my... I said, uh, nothing. Oh, I, that's right. I said, how much am I entitled to for unemployment pay? He said, well, what, what, what are you? What, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a freelance musician, saxophone player. He said, you don't get anything. Nothing. <laughs> because you're not a real worker. Which was a, rather a shame. And so I cancelled the Radio Times. Mm-hmm. I cancelled everything. Mm-hmm. I thought I've done the most stupid thing anybody could ever do. Turn you back on Ted. Ever do. But I hadn't realised that, that at that time television was really picking up. Really yeah. And obviously you got your foot in the door at the right well, time, didn't yeah, you? And... Because, yes. Yes, I suppose that's it. <laughs> so to think if we were sitting watching, and as, as I did as a child, I used to watch Benny Hill and Doctor Who and those the butterflies certainly I clearly remember watching. That would have been you playing on the soundtracks on all of those BBCs. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't play the tenor on the uh, Benny Hill. That was Peter Hughes. He's still alive, but doesn't play. Oh, cool. Is that it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, something like that. It's fascinating. All those pros I would have watched as a child, and you would have been playing on them. And presumably you must have been teaching yourself the business side of this as you, because you got into it right at its infancy, didn't you? Mm. So you must have been teaching yourself the right way to go about getting contracts and the right way to bill people. and Because it was a whole new business, wasn't it? It hadn't been there before. No, but we, no, I didn't know at the time. I don't think any of us knew. Exactly, yeah. At the time, really. No, it was just the, when it's time to move out of the review orchestra. I just felt, you know, right... That's it. That's the time. Mm-hmm. Make a move. Because it sounds like at the Review Orchestra and with Heath, you just felt that you weren't really playing the music, that you, you weren't being given the jazz that you wanted to play. You weren't playing the stuff that you really wanted to play. No, I did. I used to go and play for nothing a lot after we'd finished. There were a lot of pubs that had a jazz name where people went. Yeah. Not so much now. I mean, I play in a band over at the police place but it's not a jazz band, it's just a play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's good, it's good to have a play, mm-hmm. and it just keeps you in... You still enjoy your playing, quite obviously, you, you love oh, playing. Oh, yeah. And I think I saw you last year, last, with uh, Sounds of Seventeen, I think that was the last time That's I saw... That's probably right, yeah. No, uh, well, you see, they die off, they die off, and then I, I was depping in the Sound of Seventeen uh, for the lead alto, who was a terror player, I've worked with an awful lot, I used to debt for Eddie. Eddie mm-hmm. was busy. Busiest player around, Eddie Mordew. On all of them, all of the saxophones and good saxophone player. I was dapping for him and he was like that. Do you and still pick up your sax most days? Do you still blow most days? I can, I can, yes, I can play. Funny enough, one of these little records, uh, one of these little records, I, I played it in the car, mm-hmm. I can play it in the car, and it was on me, a, a little gig we had down near Croydon, 
a little local sort of band, a bass player called Pete Morgan, Welsh bass player, very good. And we had a, a gig down there, and uh, I remember we, we played a little, I played some clarinet, and it was a simple thing, and you'll, you'll hear it somewhere, somewhere over there. Yeah. And it was, I thought, bloody, that was all right. night Wednesday date with the best in jazz. This is Straight Ahead with David Lewis on Solar.